What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Shift to Q podcast with Alan K. <clears throat> Alan K. Wow. Voice already cracked. First podcast in forever. And now my voice is already cracking. This episode is 3.17 called Embrace the Suck. And um, that's going to be a very centralized theme throughout this. Uh, the things I'm going to discuss. Now, the things I'm going to go over are my competition as it pertains to like my metrics, the stats, how far away we are, what we're currently doing and mindsets, the upcoming content, especially as it pertains to the podcasts that are coming up and the docu-series that I've been working on um, that is centralized around my competition. I'm going to go over one of the conversations I had with this one beautiful Yang, Yang, one of these, one of the conversations that I've had this past weekend with a beautiful young lady about what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, there's two parts of that. A, how to handle um, a situation such as flirting and meeting people, as well as what that question meant for me. The next thing I'm going to talk about, about owning your vices. Um, I'm going to kind of document what me and my friend were talking about, especially as it pertains to our um, love for drinking. And I use that word very lightly um, because it's not like I'm sitting there like just taking shots 24-7. Not like Vegas Allen or San Diego Allen, but definitely um, it's a conversation to be had because I know a lot of people go through a phase of being on a health kick, being on some type of transformation. They have that one drink and they completely just lose the handle off of it. And um, me and him had a small discussion about that. And I definitely want to share that with you. And then the very last thing I wanted to go over um, is my grandmother, who a few weeks ago passed away. And it was honestly a lot of the reason why I've been taking a step back from creating content, from creating anything, um, because it's just more of been giving myself the space to heal from that. She's a big fixture, not only in the family, but in my life. She's tatted on my arm and um, losing her was um, definitely an experience. Um, now, what benefited me in that is um, last year, I almost lost my dad due cancer. And I remember going through that experience, kind of accepting that we all die in some dynamic, not some dynamic, we all die eventually. And it's by accepting that they're going to die that I have learned to appreciate them in the present. And when I knew my grandmother's health condition was deteriorating, it's the reason why if you look at my social media for Thanksgiving, I dressed up like a turkey and visit her at the uh, senior home or doing small, subtle things that made me appreciate her before I knew she was going to go away. And um, I definitely wanted to share a lot of that. Um, what I learned from her the most at the very end. So embrace the suck. What does embrace the suck mean? Embrace the suck. Oh, man, I keep on saying suck and it's just ringing a word in my head. Pause. Pause. I would say maybe pause. Um, but Embrace the suck is something that my coach, David Milligan, always preaches to us that are in prep and getting ready for a competition. 
embrace the suck is pretty much a mindset that says, Hey, you got to make in order for you to win this competition, in order for you to be the best you possibly can be here in about six, seven, eight weeks, sometimes even longer. You have to take these necessary steps in order for you to do so. Now, you might not like them. You might not like having to wake up at five in the morning and do cardio and then go in the afternoon and left. You might not enjoy pushing away that alcohol or pushing away the desserts. You might not enjoy having to switch over to completely prepping everything that you eat. But if you really want this goal, if you really want to win, then these are the things you have to do objectively, no matter what. And that's what I actually love about these competitions, because objectively speaking, there is no room for error. It's like either you win or you don't. And what I love about bodybuilding more than anything else is that your results speak for themselves. Like if you take a couple of days off, it kind of shows sometimes based on where you're at in your fitness. If you don't eat right, if you don't handle your habits and your behaviors right, it shows on your body. And um, another thing that I really also notice, especially as it comes to fitness and how your body is, how you treat your body, how you decide to perceive it, like with regards to your habits, behaviors, your workouts, your eating, how you treat yourself is a very, how you treat yourself physically is an example of how you treat yourself mentally and emotionally. You know, it says a lot about someone who doesn't, like what they see in the scale, doesn't like what they see in the mirror, and then has a lifestyle that perpetuates things that they don't like. I don't know of anybody that wakes up in the morning, looks in the mirror and says, I don't want to appreciate what I see. You know, I see a lot of people actually resisting it, but then doing nothing about it. And I think bodybuilding is why I love bodybuilding so damn much is because it helps you work on yourself and you objectively see those results regardless of anything. It's either you get it done or you don't. Now with this competition, I want to give a couple of metrics real quick, especially a couple of updates because I know on social media, on Instagram, it's always just like, Oh, look at this before and after picture. Look at these results. Look at this. And that's a small on the surface of what's going on because behind the scenes, I'll tell you, there is a lot of mental and emotional work on top of that. It's a huge challenge. Like for me yesterday, going into the gym into a leg day, and I just did not feel like fucking doing it. But embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. Like I told everybody I wanted to win this competition. I told my coach that's what the goal was. I told myself that's what the goal was. I signed up for a lot of things that says I'm going to win. And because of that, I have to stick to my word. I got to stick to my promise. And it's interesting because I tell everybody I'm going to win. Now, do I think I'm going to actually win? I don't know. I have no idea because you don't know what judges are looking for. Every show is different. The athletes that keep showing up on stage for physique is they keep getting bigger. They keep getting more lean. And, um, it's a challenge every single time. But for me, why I tell myself I'm going to win, why I tell everybody else I'm going to win and why I keep kind of boosting that into my ego is because if I tell myself I'm going to win, if I tell myself I'm going to become a champion and I'm, that's what I'm training for, 
the amount of discipline, the room for error, and everything that goes along with being a champion is is just so finite. You know, in my pre two previous competitions, man, I'm going to actually go over this in the docu series, but might as well talk about it now because I'm on this tan on this tangent. The first two competitions that I performed in, um, the first one was just trying to compete, right? Just seeing if I was good enough. And probably about a month and a half, two months away from stage, I realized, hey, holy shit, I already have this in the bag. It, it's going to be easy just to step on there and feel confident. There will be times where I would get hungry as it comes to cutting, and I would definitely indulge. I would eat like spoonfuls of peanut butter late at night or eating something off my meal plan really late and I shouldn't have. And I, and I know my consumption of macros wasn't accurate. And I know that I had a couple of more cheat meals than necessary, definitely drank a little bit more than necessary. And I, and it showed now what I looked up on stage compared to when I started that, that transformation is, is completely astronomically amazing, you know, and I don't want to take anything away from that. But now being two years into the process, being a year and a half later and looking at how I approach that training cycle compared to now, it's just black and white different. Just as it was going from not competing to proving to myself that I can compete, that was a huge transformation in and of itself that, that required a lot of contrast and beliefs, a lot of transformation in behaviors, a lot of transformations in mindsets. The transformation to just be good enough to just be enough to being the absolute best is a mindset jump in and of itself. And it's interesting because I notice myself still having some of the same tendencies of cheating or not exactly sticking the plan, but it's not eating jarfuls of peanut butter. It's not that. I mean, literally the other day, I'm kind of judging myself while I'm saying this, but the other day, my cheat meal or my cheat or whatever eating off, off a of plan was dousing an almond in hot sauce and eating that. And it's funny, I had the same guilty pleasure of cheating on my meal plan because I technically did. But it's not the same as consuming peanut butter. It's not the same as consuming all this alcohol that I used to drink all the time, even when I was cutting down for competition. And so it's something to look at, I know for me, to... What is it about going off plan that I find so much satisfaction and that I always default to it in some dynamic? And it's interesting because that's the behavior that I have. It's nothing about if I want to consume more peanut butter, or if I actually wanted to eat an almond with a bunch of hot sauce. It was just the notion of saying, hey, I'm doing something on my own. And I guess now I'm thinking about it as I'm explaining with, and sharing it with you guys. I think that notion of being... <laughs> doing my own thing, even in lieu of plan, is what makes me feel like I have control. And it's a really interesting process to realize that it's not about the actual cheat meal itself or the almond dows and hot sauce or the spoonfuls of peanut butter in the previous competitions. It's more of just saying, hey, I know there's this plan. I resist order in some dynamic. And I'm not saying I resist it in its entirety. But definitely falling in line, being uniform to a plan isn't something that I exactly enjoy. And that's, mind you, that's something I get to look into, I get to work on. But it's a very interesting process, especially for this competition. Now, 
real quickly with regards to training, I didn't want to share that because I always get asked that. Um, I always get asked, like, what is it about competition? What is there a difference in mindsets? There are different habits and behaviors. And it's interesting because I, I can't really tell you, like, oh, you got to eat this. You got to eat that. You got to eat this. Because all I do is I literally hire a coach to do all that thinking for me. And I just follow a plan. And so I was like, hey, if you work out at this time, you need to eat this before, eat this after, here are your meals. And all I do is follow the plan. And for me now, it's not about, oh, does this carb help me feel better? Does this, does this protein make me feel better satiated or not? It's more of, I have this plan. I have these workouts and I have these cardios. I got, I get to figure out how I'm going to make this work with regards to my schedule. And I literally plan out probably weeks in advance just to make sure I reach my habits, reach my goals, reach my behaviors. And so what those habits and behaviors are right now is five times a week doing weights, five times a week doing cardio, all the while fixating, posing, and eating properly in between everything so that we maintain this process. And it was interesting because I got asked, well, what is it about that? And I definitely what we call nuke it out. And I definitely over-explain myself. Nuke it out is, an, is a term that we use back in the nuclear Navy about over-explaining yourselves. And I definitely constantly go into like, well, you got to eat your carbs. This, you got to eat your protein that like, nope, nope. I don't want to get into that. I'm not an expert at that. I'm an expert at following a plan and making sure that I, that plan goes through. And so that's all that really is. One of the biggest challenges right now that's, that is though that, <laughs> that does come with competing and does come with exactly where I'm at with my plan is actually the weight loss. Cause I weighed in today's Thursday, I weighed in Tuesday at about 133 pounds. And I'll tell you as a grown man and as an adult it is challenging to be this lean and this small. Now it is very temporary. I know that as soon as I get into the off season, I'm probably going to gain about 10 to 15 pounds. And I'm very much looking forward to that. But again, like the central theme of this episode, embrace the sucky is just part of the process. I do got to get to this lean. I do got to get to a point where I have as little body fat as possible. So that by the time I step up on stage, I'll be looking full. I'll be looking lean as hell and hopefully win. And how I feel right now, with regards to this competition cycle, my God, it is, um, it's a challenge every day. It's a challenge every day. Like right now I want to go to in and out and devour like four double doubles and a whole bunch of animal style fries. And while having a vanilla shake, especially the vanilla shake, I haven't had sweets in forever, but you know, again, keep the eye on the bigger picture for me. Winning a competition is something that I never thought was possible. And then if I were to look at a lot of instances in my life, winning outright and being the only winner in lieu of a sea of God knows how many competitors or whatever metric you want to use, winning outright and being the best at something is, is not something that I'm used to. It's not something that I've ever thought that I was good enough for with regards to mindsets and, um, achieving anything. So this whole realm of telling myself I'm going to be better than everybody else 
is has been an experience and it's interesting on how also developing and acquiring this mindset has me set other standards in my life that I otherwise was was very passive with. Like, for example, one of the biggest things for me right now is my friend circle. My inner circle has changed so much over the years based off of high school, being stationed in South Carolina, being stationed in Vegas, San Diego, being on the ship, the whole nine yards, and still moving even outside of the Navy and all the different communities that I've been a part of now. But I realize that the people that stick with me now, the people that I still am close with and that I'm comfortable with are all people that are in a growth mindset, that are constantly pushing ourselves to be better and giving ourselves the space to be human beings. Now, we, the friends that I really talk to, we keep ourselves in check per se. And like, we make sure that if any of us are going off, going off the path of what we've presented with, what we know we want in our lives, we definitely like, hey man, I remember when you said this, this is kind of what you're doing right now. Um, you know, I don't think it really aligns to what you told me you wanted to do, but what are your thoughts? You know, it's, it's constantly giving each other the space and the feedback to grow. The people that I've had in the past, and it's no fault of them, met a party version of Alan, met a version of Alan that drowned himself in alcohol, drowned himself in a lot of other things that, that took me away from my goals and my purpose. And it's interesting when you make the hard decision to say, no, I am not going to be that person anymore. People aren't used to it. And um, I definitely have, it's not that I've fallen out from anybody. It's just I've kind of moved on because we're on different paths. Um, but that transition in and of itself has been a very interesting one. And I can attribute a lot of that to me, not putting up with people's shit, not putting up with any bullshit and not allowing people to take me away from where I'm trying to be right now, especially when it comes to uh, the competition. Now, that, like I said, is six weeks away. That's going to be in Las Vegas on May 13th, the OCB. And um, we're very much looking forward to that. So the next thing I want to talk about is the upcoming content. Um, I, as you guys know, following me on Instagram, alank.health, I have been actually creating a docuseries that's documenting my competition journey. Now, the first two episodes, the first one's kind of like a snippet. This most recent one that I just recorded should be out hopefully here in the next couple of days. So hopefully by the time you heard this podcast, um, it will be out. But what I wanted to document in that docuseries more than anything else is the actual mental and emotional journey that pushes us to goals that we never thought were originally attainable. Um, it's really easy to sit there and be like, oh, this is what I ate. This is the workout plan. These are the color of my shorts. Look at the tan that I have. Hey, look at this is a before picture and an after picture. Everybody can fucking do that. And honestly, yeah, I know it's great to look at and you can learn a lot from it. But I want to know what it takes for someone like me from to go from like a degenerate alcoholic to potentially a natural physique pro. How do you go from being fat your entire life to all of a sudden being a health nut out of nowhere. Like those kind of transformations is what drives me to learn more about other people in general. It's their inner drive. What did you go through? How were you able to reframe your adversities in a manner that serves you instead of destroys you, which is really important right now, especially because we live in a culture that just promotes victimization and being, what's the word I'm looking for? Handicapped. 
and staying handicapped and staying paralyzed in wherever you are based off of whatever circumstance. And it's now it's like at the point where it's popular to be a lesser version of yourselves. And it's popular to blame someone else for your circumstances. And look, I know, look at life is very challenging. There's been a lot of shit that's happened to a lot of people. And I'm not saying what I went through is more exceptional than anybody else, but I choose to own my shit. I choose to say, Hey, yeah, this is where I want to be. This is where I'm at. Now, where the fuck do I have to get there? It wasn't always like that. I did a lot of victimization. I did a lot of, oh, well, I was adopted. Oh, I got treated like shit in the Navy. I went through a divorce. Ah, ah, poor me, poor me. And I blamed everybody else for my circumstances. And But regardless if it's actually their fault or not, this is where you're at. This is what the work you got to do regardless of you got there or not. You know, what What 10% of, what what is it? It's, it's like 10% of life is what happens to us and 90% is how we respond. And you just realize real quickly, like, yeah, you might be in a really shitty situation, but you only got one life. This is all you got. Fucking make the best of it. And fuck, because there's no other choice. I'd rather put my energy towards trying to make better of myself and failing than it is to just sit there and accept my circumstances that I don't enjoy. Now, if you enjoy living that monotonous lifestyle, more power to you. But I don't know of too many people that do. Now, Another thing with the docu series that has that I have found challenging and what has pushed me more to do this podcast is I find it challenging to write in dialogue and present this information in a way that's like, oh hey, this whole time, this little backstory for this or that story for that. The reason why I went into podcasting is I love freelance conversations. I love having open dialect and and Things like stuttering or things like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to say next and say what's coming up on my mind. These things are, are entities of conversation that I just absolutely enjoy because what I love about being human and what I love about being present in a lot of these circumstances is the fact that I'm prone to error. I'm prone to make mistakes. But it's what we do with those mistakes that, that is, that's what matters. Now, what does that got to do with me creating this docuseries and, and speaking in dialogue? I realize that certain people receive a message just based off of pure dialect. And if I really want to get a message across, which I do, and if I really feel like it's valuable, which it is, then it behooves me to share that information in a way that it's better received. So it, it maybe some people are, are better towards podcasts. Maybe some people are better towards docu-series and whatnot. Whatever it is or whatever it isn't, you know, there's a higher purpose for what I'm doing. And I could sit here and rest on my laurels and be like, oh, hey, well, this is how I'm going to, this is what I feel like. Like, no, I feel like the, my message to the world definitely benefits a lot of people. So it behooves me to spread it in however way I see fit. And um, that's why it's been a challenge though. But I'll tell you, it has been a challenge doing that docu-series, but again, embrace the suck. This is what I signed up to do. I hired a production team for that. And this is where I'm at. We have about two more episodes into that docu-series. Um, like I said, the second one goes into a lot of the initial background about what got me into that transformation. For those of you who have been following my journey for even before the bodybuilding, you guys know that I stumbled upon my old foster paperwork 
the therapy paperwork on top of my family tree after not thinking I had a family this entire time and how that was a catalyst towards just me pursuing my true inner self. And um, a lot of this next episode is predicated around that and how I used bodybuilding to harvest that energy and make myself a better version. Another thing that's interesting about the docuseries is having the B-roll. The B-roll is like your gym clips. Um, for me, I started putting a tripod when I worked out into the gym. And um, it's interesting on how people respond to it on top of how you respond to it. I, you know, I've always had this, this uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The skepticism, I guess, of people that would record, that would record themselves lifting. And it's interesting now that I record myself lifting for the sake of this docuseries and just creating B-roll and creating content as a whole um, because it's the inner thoughts that I have in my head are the same thoughts that I would project on others when they did it, which is what makes them think they're good enough to fill themselves. What are they going to do? This must be dumb. I, you know, just a whole bunch of shit talking and, and everything. So it's interesting for me to swallow my own ego and do the same thing. Start recording myself working out. Start creating this into clips and and questioning myself. Am I good enough to be posting stuff on Instagram as an influencer or whatever? Um, but the biggest thing for me definitely is getting over the fact that I would talk shit about people that did it. And now I do it. Like, for example, the one of the things that I used to talk shit about back in the day are... are the leggings that are now so popular amongst men when it comes to the gym. And now one of my favorite outfits to wear when it comes to the gym are my, my um, young LA really short, like short shorts with like under armor legging. It's very comfortable. I like the sleek look and literally you can see old Facebook posts from me like 10 years ago, talking shit. Who are these dudes wearing this meggings and stuff? And, I'm that guy now. I'm that guy. Um, and I, I find it interesting on how many different instances in my life where I talk shit, project something that I don't know about. And then all of a sudden I'm become that person that I talk shit about. Um, <laughs> a lot of this, uh, <laughs> I'm to tell you how many times it's happened. Just talk shit. Bah, 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 bah. And then all of a sudden I'm doing the same exact thing and I realize I'm just a ginormous hypocrite. Embrace the suck. Like I said, theme of this episode, embrace the suck. Oh, and another thing, last thing about the content that's coming up, my podcast. Um, I have, I recorded a Navy nuke podcast with a couple of my old um, shipmates per se, people that I served with. Um, and it's about dwelling on the mental health aspect as it pertains to nuclear Navy that will be coming out here very soon. But as of right now, I just wanted to create and chop edit everything as it comes to just bodybuilding and the basic podcast. Now, so far we talked about the competition. And then now we've talked about the upcoming content. Now, the last three things I wanted to talk about um, are the social interaction. I have with this beautiful young lady. And when she asked me, what did I want to be when I grew up? Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the, the owning your vices as, as it especially pertains to alcohol. Um, and the last thing is my grandmother. Uh, let's take a drink here. ASMR break. Uh, still can't believe that's a thing, by the way. People 
listen to chopping noises and shit. All right. What did I want to be when I grew up? So here I was at an event and I was uh, having this conversation with this beautiful young lady. And she asked me in the middle of this conversation, what did I want to be when I grow up? Now, what was really interesting to me was I haven't been asked that question in a very long time. Like she asked me, you know, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? And it's, it's amazing because I thought about a million different things. I once wanted to be a firefighter. I once wanted to be a sports pharmacist. Um, another one was joining the Navy. But it, if I were to really look at that now and really think about where my mind was at objectively, now that I'm 36, what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was younger, was to just be accepted. And um, I know that's, that's, that's really deep on a lot of different levels, but it's true. Um, I grew up as a very insecure kid. I grew up, I think the reason why I did so many different things as a kid, like, um, you know, hung out with the black people. I gravitated towards hipper things. I played all these sports. I joined the Navy. I did all of these different industries and pursued all these different ventures, poker, commentating, now even podcasting. All of it was in an effort to just be accepted and be a someone, I guess. And it's interesting now because in that pursuit of trying to be someone, I found out who the hell I was, what I'm meant to do. And now I'm finding out more and more layers of what that exactly means. But it's interesting on how, yeah, now I'm looking at it, getting asked that question so many years later. Like, yeah, that's what I wanted to do when I grew up. I, I just wanted to be accepted. And oh, it's interesting. Now, here's, a, here's where I fucked up. Here's where I don't agree with that, where I went into that conversation. Men, when you are talking to a beautiful young lady and you are flirting in the whole nine yards, do not get that deep. Don't start talking about, well, when I was a kid, I used to dwell upon this. Make it fun. Make it interesting. Get to the first, second, third, fourth day before you start talking that that kind of depth. Now, yeah, you can get into in-depthful conversations or whatnot, but it, when it comes to like interacting and meeting people for the first time, especially when it comes to women or flirting in that dynamic or not women, I don't know what your preference is. I don't care. <laughs> got to make it fun, man. And I got to tell you, always keep it fun. Always, 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 always keep it fun. And uh, I don't want to get on here and start creating dating advice or start becoming a dating guru because I'm not, I've just definitely had a lot of interesting experiences around the world. Um, and also in San Diego and Las Vegas. So that's, that's all I know. But in a day and age where men aren't dating as much and aren't hooking up as much. And I see all of this quote unquote incel red pill, all this other crap that just being propagated around YouTube and, and the internet. I, yeah, I don't, I just don't want to be a part of that. I, I just don't want to be a part of those communities. You know, for someone, 
if you were to look at the internet, if you were to just objectively look at everything that they're telling you, especially when it comes to dating, me, who's five foot six, who doesn't make seven figures, who doesn't do all this, doesn't, blah, blah, blah. like I shouldn't be dating anybody. I shouldn't be ever having a chance at any woman in entire life, especially because if I were to just pay attention to social media and not know who the hell I was, I completely objectify myself into those boxes that are kind of just did. And I see so many young men these days before they even get out to experience life. They try to view life from social media first and then try to apply what they've learned from social media into real life. And that distortion of reality is what's causing them to be depressed. Because if you think social media is life and you think that everything they're propagating against you and selling you is absolutely true, then yeah, if you are under six feet, if you are not making seven figures, if you're not, if you don't have less than 10% benefit, if you don't meet those wickets, you would think as a man that there's absolutely 0% chance that you'll ever get laid, that you'll ever amount to anything or have a beautiful family or anything like that. And that's just all fucking bullshit. You know, I, I would definitely say that what, what's always worked for me more than anything else is just being around people that love you. Like don't force yourself on anybody. Don't try to project that you're worth something to someone else because there are so many people out there, man. And you know, as much as uh, you know, this interaction, mind you, I end up exchanging information with this young lady and, and whatever, whatnot, but in general, um, let's say I didn't get her number. Let's say that con that ended the conversation because I went too far deep. There's going to be more opportunities. There are so many beautiful young ladies out there, and there's so many aspirational, on their purpose men. Like there, there's so many of them. You know, you can't get yourself fixated off of just one experience and just be like, "Oh, that's the only time I'm ever going to get that." No. And that's what I'm saying. Embrace the suck. Like, yeah, that, I could have flirted a little bit better. I could have done something a little different, but I just got done smoking. She asked me a really deep question and holy fuck, I went into podcast mode and I just started thinking about the question on a lot of cerebral levels. It is what it is, you know, and next time I'm in a situation like, oh, well, I'm flirting with this girl that clearly likes me. Just keep it fun. Don't get any more too depthful unless it absolutely necessary it has to be. That's it. Lesson learned. Move on to the next. I want to show up a little bit differently. Make the adjustments. Move on. All right. The second thing about this, or I guess the fourth, this is the fourth. Sorry. I have a, I have a whiteboard for those of you guys are watching on YouTube and you see me keep on looking up. I'm making sure I'm sticking to the board. Um, <laughs> real quick. One of the things that I've had a, a, a challenge, not a problem, but a challenge in the past is, is going off on tangents and going off of what I really wanted to talk about. You know, I don't think that's that bad, actually. Now I'm thinking about it. It's a podcast, right? We're supposed to be speaking openly, speaking freelance, and um, that's it. Yeah, I guess I guess that's that's um, where I'm going to end with that and then talk about the next one. I don't know where I was going with that, guys. All right. So owning your vices. Um, so me and a buddy of mine, Ryan, had a conversation about two weeks ago, and he spoke about how he's on his fitness grind. He's He's been killing it as of the last couple of months. And big kudos to him. He has been. I, I'm fucking so proud of this guy. But he started talking about like, yeah, just cut off drinking altogether, blah, 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 blah. And it's interesting because that kind of opened up a dialogue. For me, 
you know, one of the challenges that I've had over the years is maintaining my alcohol consumption at a reasonable level. Like, you know, after living in Vegas and living the poker life where drinking and substances and the whole nine yards are just the absolute norm. It's interesting to get out of that culture and realize that's an exception. And then when you start going to normal society and like, oh, you mean you're not supposed to be having a drink with everything that you do? What, what is bizarre? It can, you can really easily fall into thinking that no matter what you do, that drinking is just an evil, no matter what in its entirety. But for me, I view it differently now. You know, in the past, I'd be like, oh, I drink. Oh, my God, I'm terrible. Well, if I drink, I might as well continue having a couple of more drinks. Like, well, if I already did this to my body, might as well go get some McDonald's and get a Big Mac or might as well go get that blah, blah, blah. And I know for me, every single time I've um, in the past got mad at myself for drinking, it would create this avalanche mindset. And I just continuously make these bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, holding on to different stories that I'm telling myself, trying to justify this unjust behavior. But what's really worked for me and what I have been able to do to curb that is to just accept that drinking is a part of who I am. Um, and I know that's, that sounds a little bold, but after reading like my foster paperwork, after reading how my dad was, after reading how my grandfather was and kind of being in the situations that I've been presented in, it's kind of hard to just completely cut off drinking. It's, it's not hard, but very challenging, you know, and, and it's very challenging to disassociate yourself with something that is, has been a part of your identity. Now I'm not saying I can't do it. I'm not saying that I can go away from drinking altogether in its entirety. Cause I definitely have. But what I've noticed is that I still like drinking and now mind you, it doesn't mean I like being wasted. It doesn't mean I like being drunk. It's just, I enjoy having a drink here and there, being in a social setting, relaxing, chilling, having really good conversations over it. And for that in and of itself, I don't make myself feel bad anymore, but rather I have a plan when it comes to drinking, when I have a plan that now does that plan always go through? No. It does come with challenges. It's interesting after me and Ryan had this conversation, I told him like, you know, one of the things that I do now is just accept that I drink and yeah, drinking from, you know, for being on prep, isn't exactly the best thing. And, um, for right now, at the very least, it's being cut off until after this next competition, but cutting it out in its entirety or making myself feel bad or being or being made to feel bad over something that I enjoy doing is not really enabling of a mindset for me because when you go after something or really, you really want something and you make yourself feel bad about it, you're kind of denying a part of who you are. And mind you, it's, there's a lot to be said if it's like, you know, like, about what that action is or about what you really want to do. But when it comes to things that are like drinking or whatnot, yeah, they have no, no health benefits, no that, that benefit or whatever. But it, you know, from a, from a, from someone who's very social and based my identity off a lot of social 
adventures per se and a lot of things that were enabled through there. I can't deny that alcohol is a part of my life in some instances. And um, I enjoy having a glass of whiskey here and there. I enjoy this, this, and this. And what I find interesting about that is, although I still have a drink here and there, it pales in comparison to what I was doing last year. It pales in comparison to what I was doing the year before and the year before that. And so sometimes what I've noticed is that it's just over the years, my my will to drink and my drinking as a whole has gone down. And it's interesting because I've seen my dad do the same thing. I've noticed my dad, you know, when I was a kid, we would have Super Bowl parties at the house. Everybody in the family would come over. He'd be a little bit drunk. And then over the years, I'm drinking less, drinking less. And this man doesn't drink at all now. Um, and I've noticed that from a lot of other people as well, like, you know, like your twenties and younger thirties are a lot of partying, a lot of this, this, and this, and the older we get like, oh, you know what, this really isn't that. And with this whole new push of all these entrepreneurs and, and investing in yourself from a very early get go, seeing all these younger, um, people investing in themselves at a really early, it's very encouraging. And so you see drinking, not as much of a forefront of their, uh, of their identity as it used to be for us back in the day when we were younger. But in general, I still see it. And um, again, I think it's it's a big balance of, hey, if you, if you really want to do this, if you really have this urge to do things such as drink, just find a way to make it work. You know, do it responsibly. Don't make yourself feel bad about it. And if you do make yourself feel bad about it, well, look into yourself as to figure out what that really is. And, you know, there's another saying is, no, don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now. And um, I know for me right now, for the next six weeks, uh, my goal is to win that competition. I'm not at 133 pounds and sacrificing all these donuts, alcohol, and ice cream for for, for nothing, damn it. Um, and so it's really easy to push away that drink now. But afterwards, oh, I'm going to have a celebratory shot here and there. And I'm going to be in Vegas. We'll see where that means and where that goes. Um <laughs> All right, so that's that. And then competition. All right, last thing, last thing um, is my grandmother, uh, my grandmother, Jean. Whew. Yeah, um, so she did, She died a few weeks ago. Um, and this episode isn't about, you know, why I bring her up isn't to like kind of sit there and I'm like, oh, it's it's sad and depressing that she died because it is sad. Um but one of the things that I've embraced after um, I thought I was going to lose my dad last year, one of the things that I started working towards and started accepting is that we are going to lose. Everybody dies. You know, everybody dies at one point or another. Everyone Disease, you're not going to outlive life. Uh, one of my friends, Brian, used to uh, tell me something which is really funny, which is he's immortal until proven otherwise. <laughs> and I guess that there's a lot of truth to be said in that. But what we can do, though, is although they may not live, although they might, might not be alive anymore, the one thing that we do have an opportunity to do to honor those respective people is to live through them. And one of the things that my grandmother taught me, and I still 
carry this with me to this day now. And it's helped me a lot in being compassionate and empathetic towards people. It's like, I remember when um, me and my ex-wife were going through a divorce, all the fights we're having and everybody in the family had their two, two cents and opinions about what was going on, what I should do, what I shouldn't do, but what I was doing right was, was wrong. Um, and you know, here's the thing is a lot of people gravitate towards the mother. That is just what it is. Is it fair? No, but it is what it is. So again, fuck, you can dwell on how unfair it is, or you can just suck it up and realize, Hey, this is just the way that the world works right now. But as much as everybody was out there trying to tell me what I couldn't and couldn't do, what I should and shouldn't do, how I should be as a father and not be as a father, my grandmother, instead of telling me what I should and shouldn't do, just reminded me about how much she loved me no matter what. She reminded me that, you know, regardless of if I make the right decision or not, that I'm doing my best into making that right decision. And sometimes that comes with some fault. Sometimes making the right decision or thinking you're making the right decision is actually the wrong one, despite where your heart may or may not be. But regardless of what that decision is and the outcome of what that decision may turn out to be, what we all need at the end of the day is just support, a little bit of love. And um, during that time, I didn't know what. I didn't know it, but I needed that the most. Um, and my grandmother was there for me so much. You know, when I would have this person or that person tell me what I was doing wrong or think about her or think about her like I did. And that's why we are where we are where we are now, you know, and it seems like everybody has something to say about you and everyone has an opinion about what you're doing. But my grandmother and her just being where she's at and her experience and her just absolute love and compassion just put all her effort towards letting me know that she was there for me no matter what and that she loves me. And um, what I've noticed is that there's a lot of people that kind of need that now. A lot of people who, I mean, all of us are going through something. All of us are being challenged with something. All of us are striving for something. All of us are getting over something or finding out what that is for us and what that means. But at the end of the day, regardless of what that pursuit is or that non-pursuit, we just need someone to love us. We just need someone to give ourselves that space. And, you know, I didn't have that for myself before my grandmother. I didn't know what it was like to invest into myself and make myself a priority or acknowledge the fact that I am trying my absolute best because I was just more fixated on results. And there's a fair, there's a fair amount to be said about that because you do need some kind of results in order for the world to work. But uh, results are not. We sometimes just need someone to tell us that they're there for us, no matter what. And we need that support. My grandmother was that for me. And now I notice, you know, the way I live through her and the way that I carry my grandmother gene with me is when I start seeing people going through set issues or going through challenges of their own, I let them, you know, and I kind of just support them, let them get their feelings out, let them what they say. Cause I can provide every solution in the world and show them what's worked for me. But a lot of people just don't want to hear that. They just want to be validated with how they feel. They just want someone to outlet some shit on and that's okay. 
I'll tell you, I got more and I gained more from my grandmother just telling me she was there for me and letting me express myself than I ever did from anyone ever trying to tell me what I was doing right or what I was doing wrong. She enabled me and she showed me what it was to love myself and appreciate and give myself the same space to make mistakes and uh, grandma, I love you so much for that. You know? All right, guys. Well, to recap everything. Whew, yeah, that one, that one. Whew, I didn't think I was going to start crying again, but so, whew, yeah, sorry guys. I'm, I'm, I'm getting over that one. All right. So to recap everything, guys went over the competition and went over the fact that the main thing about the competition is just embracing the suck, embracing the process and understanding that all of these sacrifices and everything I'm doing is for a greater cause. Um, <laughs> and yeah, trust me, this is going to be a challenge these next six weeks. The upcoming content, I have the docuseries coming out as long as the Navy Nuke Health podcast. Um, remember, w- you know, when you're flirting guys or growl, gals, growls, growls, girls, growls. Um, if you remember, guys, um, any of that, always keep it fun. AKIF is what I wrote on the board, which I don't know if that's going to stick, but we're going to go AKIF it out. AKIF, always keep it fun. So stupid. But in all reality, it is definitely keep it fun. Keep it fun, flirty. Don't get too far deep in the first conversations, man. Wait till conversations later. But also know that they're dime a dozen, and those opportunities are going to happen every single time. It's about building upon more than anything else. I honestly think that's the reason why in my thirties, I've been more calm with interacting with women than I've ever have been in my entire life. I remember in the when I was younger, twenties, mid twenties, I'd, I'd, I'd be so anxious to make an impression, make sure that they try to like me. And now it's just like, man, this is who the fuck I am. Take it or leave it. I know where I'm headed. I don't give a fuck, but definitely get into that. Uh, next thing about, uh, we talked about is about owning your vices. Again, if you have something that you absolutely love, it's a part of your identity. Don't deny yourself of it. Just find a way to make it work. And also understand though, that sometimes diving into those vices might actually push you back from something that you really want. Like for me, drinking right now will take me further away from my goal of winning a competition. And so therefore, sometimes you got to make necessary sacrifices. And therefore, the, you know, don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now is constantly applied. And the very last thing, the most important thing about this entire episode is my grandmother. And um, for who that is for you, I hope you take the opportunity to dwell on it, appreciate it. Um, but for me, my grandma Jean is definitely the person that taught me more than anything else, more than anything else about compassion, empathy, and loving unto others. So, all right, guys, I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this, this kind of a shift of, of an episode. I definitely want to start talking more about what's going on in the present advice, just basic, vague subjects. Um, but we'll see where that goes. You know, it's funny cause I've actually, um, started listening to some of my old podcasts again. And I realized there's a couple of episodes where I'm going to start talking about Asian mental. I'm going to start talking about bodybuilding. And I realized I just, I never really follow up with that. So I'm just going to figure it out. You know what I mean? Um, I, I know there's a couple of topics I want to talk about next. Um, but these are the things that kind of just happened most recently. Um, and we will go from there. Um, 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 a uh, monster. Fuck. Just, um, fuck. But anyways, all right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll talk next time. Love you. Peace.